0: I want to continue to talk this morning on prayer. And we're continuing our study on the Lord's Prayer. And today we're going to talk about our daily bread. What does it mean to have our daily bread? You know, prayer is really very, very simple that we've overcomplicated, underestimated, and underdone. (laughs) We, We just don't take enough time to spend time communicating with God. And that's really all prayer is. It is just a simple communication between me and God, between you and God, the way you can do it in your private prayer time, in your closet of prayer. It is not complicated. It is not hard. But it does require time. It does require our attention. It does require time. So this morning, I'm reminded of something we said at the end of last week's message that helps us begin the message this week. And we talked about being hungry. We talked about the Holy Spirit Working in a Christian's life to help develop a, a, a an attitude of hunger and an attitude of desire. That desire to be in the presence of the Lord. What a powerful thing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. As a paraclete, as a comforter, as the helper. When Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that can be with you at all times and in all situations. Everybody at the same time. He's coming to give you a hunger to have a relationship with Jesus. He draws us. And I just want to encourage us all to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he so badly wants to do, and that is to continue to draw us into a hunger for a deeper relationship with his Father. Amen. So today we're going to go a little bit deeper into this. Let's, um, Let's stand and let's Pray the Lord's Prayer together as we start this message. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Jesus, we just recite this, and now we're asking you, Lord, to reveal it to us. What did you talk about in addition to this to the disciples as you walked with them? What did you reveal to them about these words? How can we take this and then live this prayer? That's what we're asking for today. So Holy Spirit, we give you the authority, we give you the entrance into our spiritual heart and our spiritual mind to teach us what you would have us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today I want to focus on verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Short little passage, this should be, could take about five minutes, <laughs> There's two major things that I want to talk about in this discussion today on this short little verse. Number one, the meat of the verse is the bread. No pun intended. The meat of the verse is the bread. And we're going to talk about what is the bread. Then the second thing I want to talk about is the frequency that we need to have in partaking of the bread. How often do we partake of the bread? So those, I want to talk about those two things, simple and, simple and sweet. I want to talk about the bread, and I want to talk, the, talk about the frequency. So number one, let's talk about the bread. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, give us our daily bread? Well, I went to my Greek lexicon, and I went to my study guide, and I said, okay, there's got to be some really significant meaning of the word bread. And you know what it is? bread. It's what I put my PBJ on. It's what I eat. It's bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So that's why this is going to be a short message. Because we're talking about bread. Okay, we can all go home now. Jackie, would you come? But but what happens if you realize that If we're praying for our daily bread, but most of us, if not all of us, left our home this morning and our cupboards were already full of bread. So why am I praying for it? I already have it. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's no one here. I've never been hungry a day of my life. So why why do I have to pray, God, give me my daily bread when I don't need it? So there must be more. There must be more. So now maybe we'll go six minutes. There there must be more here than what we're just reading about daily bread. I think it's very obvious that, first of all, we are to be thankful for our daily bread. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're starting the prayer off by thanking him, by recognizing that who he is and that we are being thankful by honoring him and worshiping him as hallowed, as above all things, above anything in my life. So yes, I need to be thankful for my daily bread. That's, that's an obvious thing. But I think there's more to it than simply our daily food intake. So I think to really understand the deeper message of this passage, we need to look at um, different passages in God's word that talks about bread. So let's, let's, let's open up God's word because if the, the great thing about God's word is that it never conflicts with, each other, with, with a passage. I mean, one passage will lead to another passage, which will lead to another passage, and, but it all ties together. It all comes together into a neat formula that never contradicts. And one formula, one passage never takes away from another. Let's look at some more scripture passages here that talks about Bread. And so maybe we can give a little insight here what Jesus is really talking about when he talks about bread. Open your Bible to John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6, verses 32 through 35. Jesus is going to talk to the people here about the bread of heaven. The bread of heaven. Let's read. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not... Moses, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Is Jesus talking about physical bread here or could there be more to it? Could there be more to it than just a loaf of bread? Well, let's look at another passage and let's keep digging into what the, Lord, what the word says about bread. Let's jump back um, to Jesus' first days in public ministry. As he was preparing for his public ministry, we see Jesus being led into the desert for 40 days of fasting and prayer as God was preparing him to become the minister that he needed to be. So Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So after 40 days without food, clearly Jesus needed some bread. I mean, he was hungry. Can you imagine? Has anybody been on a 40-day fast? Has anybody been on a 20-day fast? Well, Jim's been on a 40-day fast. Anybody been on a 10-day, 5-day, 1-day? You get hungry when we don't eat. And so we see by Jesus' reply here that there's more to life than just simply feeding the body. There's a sustenance of the soul that is more important to fill than the stomach. The stomach ultimately dies. The soul never dies. So Jesus' response to the devil is saying that it's more important to fill the soul with the words of God, which is the spiritual bread of heaven, that feeds and nourishes the eternal soul of a man so that he can have eternal relationship with God who is the source of this spiritual and physical bread. Right? God is the source of all that. So Jesus isn't saying here that it's, that it's not important to eat physical food and take nourishment. There's nothing wrong with eating bread. In fact, there was nothing wrong with Jesus turning that stone into bread it wouldn't have been wrong for him to do that. i mean, he took money out of the mouth of a fish. he's done other natural, supernatural things to bring sustenance to our physical bodies. we're going to talk about a little bit more about that later as well. but in this particular context of the moment, it was not the right thing for him to do to turn that stone into bread to meet to feed his physical body when he was realizing that god has so much more for us than what the temporary fulfillment gives. That's why he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this wasn't about food being the source of of Jesus' strength. It was about the source of the strength of Jesus was his Father. He was proving to the devil, and he's proving to us today, that the source of his strength was not the food that he ate, but it was the spiritual food that his father gave him through the relationship that he had with his father. Food is good, and I love it. And I am to appreciate God as the source of the food, but I am never to worship the it over the him of whatever I enjoy in this life. I am never to put the it of what God created for me to enjoy over above the him of the relationship that we have with him as the provider. So that's what Jesus was trying to get to us this morning, that we are to appreciate that. So let's go back now to the discussion in John chapter 6 that we started reading and see what Jesus shared with the people there about the significance of bread, both physical and spiritual. So go back to John chapter 6. The context is, let me just describe it to you here. The context is Jesus is um, on a hillside, mountainside, with a bunch of people. 5,000 men, it says, plus women and children. So we don't know. It could have been 10,000, 12,000. We don't know. A bunch. 5,000 men. Number's not important. It was a large gathering of people. And they were getting hungry, it was getting time to eat and uh they didn't know what to do so uh, a little boy had five loaves of bread and two fishes and for some for whatever reason the disciples brought that to jesus's attention like hey this kid's going to be full but we're going to be hungry you know so maybe they were going to rob the kid I, i don't know what their intent was but jesus saw it to be different so jesus prayed over them and he took the food and he prayed over the food and then he began distributing the food and he started feeding the people and by the time he was done, he fed them all with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And there was enough to go around that each disciple took a basket, 12 disciples, and they collected the leftovers and they had 12 basketfuls left over. Take-home bags, doggy bags. Those are your original doggy bags. <laughs> they had 12 full baskets left over after feeding 5, 10, 12,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Pretty amazing miracle. Pretty amazing. And then after this, this is what happens. Okay, now John chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. It says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew himself again to a mountainside. So Jesus saw what was happening. The same thing was happening to them that so often happens to us. All the things that Jesus did for them physically, the healings, the teachings, the feeding of the food, basically taking care of their immediate needs, they saw that and what they wanted to do was they wanted to say, hey, I want more of that. So let's make him king over us and we'll serve him and he will take care of our daily needs and all we have to do is follow him And we don't have to work anymore. We're just going to get our free food from Jesus because he's going to be our king and our provider. And we're just going to make him a king. And they were going to do it forcefully. And Jesus said, no, I did not come up to set up a physical kingdom. That was not why I came. So Jesus had to stop that train real quick. And he just left. And he went to a mountainside by himself. And he got away from them because it wasn't time. That's not why he came. So moving on in this passage, Jesus sends the 12 disciples across the lake in a boat. He goes down to the boat and says, hey guys, get in the boat, go across the lake. Well, I'll meet you over there, but I'm going to go in the mountain, up in the mountain and I got to pray some more. So uh, the boys take off, he goes up in the mountain and the Bible says they get three to three and a half miles out in the middle of the lake and the wind comes up and it gets a little stormy. So Jesus is up praying, comes down dark now the night, it's probably stormy and he says, okay, I got to get to my boys. So he just walks across the water just takes off walking across the water to get to them in the boat. And all of a sudden, they appear on the other side. So another miracle happens. Now they're on the other side of the lake. And the people now on the other side of the lake that they left, they get up in the morning and they say, hey, where'd he go? Where's my food? I'm hungry. <laughs> Where's my food? So they decide, to, well, we got to go find him. So they started finding out, well, where did he go? And they found out he went on the other side of the lake. So they hustle around the lake and they get over there and they meet him. And they find Jesus at the other side of the lake. And this is what happens. John chapter 6, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Let's just continue to read this. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna. In the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. All right, let's stop here for a minute. Jesus tells them, he understands, and he tells them point blank. He said, Guys, I know why you're here. You're not here because you want spiritual food. You want here because you're hungry and you want me to give you some more bread. So he tells them that, okay? Jesus filled a temporary need on the other side of the lake the day before. He fed them and he met their temporary hunger and they liked it and they wanted more of the same thing. They wanted more free food. And I can't say that I blame them. I mean, I like food and I like it when it's free, right? It's even better when it's free. Um, I like that. But, but how many times, though, are we looking for the free benefits that come from being a Christian when we're not willing to pay the price? Listen to me. How many times do we want all of the blessings of being a Christian, but I'm not willing to put my time in to pray? I'm not willing to do the things I should be doing. When I'm not obedient to the, Lord, to the word, but yet I still want the bread. Give me the bread. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like them, we may be focusing on the physical results of what Jesus can do for us rather than on seeing the more important aspects of Jesus being the source of our, of our power. The source, which is really relationship. <laughs> Remember, we said early on, when we started talking about prayer at the very beginning of this series weeks ago, that the real reason that Jesus prayed as much as he prayed was because he was developing a relationship with, with his father in heaven god was in heaven jesus was both man and god the man side of god had to develop a relationship with the father in heaven god just like you and i need to he was being a role model he was teaching us that as a man i need to spend time to develop the relationship with the father in heaven and jesus had to do it first that's why he prayed so much so while jesus met the physical need what he really wanted for them to understand is that the hunger for, that they had was, should have been truly for a relationship with their Father in heaven rather than for the hunger to be temporarily satisfied by a loaf of bread. He wanted to give them the true bread of life that would give them the relationship with the giver of eternal life more than he was concerned about giving them the food to fill their belly. And that's what that's chapter verse. Or that's what verse twenty-seven is saying. It says, "Do not work, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that re- endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you." Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Obviously, these people must have worked really hard to get to the other side of the lake. I mean, the disciples just got in a boat and rowed across. You know, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. So they took a straight line across the lake, I'm assuming. Jesus walked across the lake, straight line. These people had to run around it. <laughs> so they had to work really, really hard to get to the other side of the lake. So Jesus is saying, guys, you worked really, really hard to get here. But you're running hard to get here for things that don't last. You're, getting, you're working really hard for the things that don't last. And Okay, so what does that mean to me? How many times am I working hard in this life for the things that don't last? Oh, I spend a lot of time on my job. I work double hours. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't don't get me wrong. But am I focusing too much on the things that don't last here? Am, Am I working too hard for the things that will give me the pleasures or give me the ability to pay my mortgage when God's saying, you know what, are you faithful with what you have? Are you tithing with what you have? Are you being obedient with what you have? Because if you would tithe and what you would have, my word says, test me in this. You say, you robbed me. How do we rob you? We rob you because we are keeping the store, we are robbing you from the tithes in your storehouse. So the Lord says, if you would do this, if you would obediently give me your tithe with a joyful heart, I will open the floodgates of heaven and I will give you more than what you could ever contain if you would put me first. Matthew 6.33, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you, right? So it's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard, but I'm saying maybe you should take a choice to say, okay, am I going I, I to take Wednesday night, instead of coming to Bible study, I'm going to get the extra hours at work or whatever, or maybe my own personal devotion time, I'm gonna, I can't get up that early because I've got to do this, whatever. I'm saying, you know what? If you would focus first on Christ... Seek the giver versus the gift. And then watch him meet your needs. You know, you can live on 90% a lot better than you can live on 100% when God's in the 90. If, if, if you're living on 100% thinking that's all I can, that's all, it's all, it's all I got to have the 100% or I'm not going to make it. I got to tell you that 100% goes really fast. Because we have 110% appetite. You know, we have an appetite that requires 150%. But if I could get my priorities right, and if I could get that perspective right, God says and he promises, I will meet your every need. I will meet it and and exceed it with 90%. And that's not even talking about offerings. Now, I really got off track here. I'm sorry about that. That was a little rabbit trail, and that doesn't cost you any more, by the way. So anyway, now this is really interesting. Jesus says that you've worked really hard and all you really needed to do was to believe in me and that I'm the bread of life. And now they ask the most insulting question that I could ever think of. I mean, they are just slapping Jesus in the face right now. And I got to believe that Jesus, I got I to say, He is so much more gracious than I am. Because listen to what they ask. Verse 30, 31. So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Are you serious? Are you serious? They just saw the day before Jesus take five loaves of bread and, th- and two fish and feed five ten thousand people. And they're saying, give us a sign. Really? I mean, what did they want? Did they want to see it just fall out of heaven? I-, I don't know. But we can say these people are really ignorant. But how many times have we looked past God's blessing and said, God, give me a sign because I don't believe you. How many times have I foregone the blessings in this life because I haven't taken him seriously? Wow. That hits me pretty hard. Jesus says to them in verse 32 and 33, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Jesus very calmly gives them the answer without ridiculing them, without browbeating them, without smacking them by the side of the head, which they probably all deserved. But he says, guys, listen, I'm the bread of life. I am it. I have given you the signs. So for Jesus to make this point so emphatically, we need to do our best in also understanding what it means for us, that how can we then apply this? So they said, verse 34, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. So they're, they're, they caught it, okay? They said, okay, now give us the bread. And this is kind of interesting because God is waiting patiently here for us to do one thing. What do you think that is? To ask. I mean, his resources are absolutely unlimited. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and so much more. And he is so anxious for us to ask and he'll share it all with us. But how many times do we not ask? How many times do we become prideful in ourselves when we say, no, God, I'm, I've asked you once, I've asked you twice, and I'm not going to ask anymore because obviously you're not listening to me. And God's saying, you know what? I, I want you to talk to me more about this. I want the relationship, and maybe I'm not answering your prayer the first time because I, that's driving you maybe to talk to me at all. So talk to me. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me, ask me. I'll give you, I'll give it to you I'll, if you just trust me. So I, I think that God is saying that if we would just ask him and we will, he will always give the bread. And, and this is not a once in a lifetime deal either, guys. It says, always give us this bread. You know, this is not a I got saved once and then I don't have to have any more bread. Or this isn't just, okay, um, once a year at Christmas or Easter when I come into church. <laughs> or every once a month when we have communion. No, it's a daily, multiple times in a day, asking, God, give us the bread. Give us the bread. And then John six thirty five. then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All right now this is also a little bit confusing to me. I will just tell you because what does it really mean what's he really saying here that whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well I got to tell you what unless I'm thirsty a good glass of water doesn't appeal to me. I mean if my thirst is already quenched then the last thing I want is water. You know what I mean? It, it takes a desperation. It takes me to be hungry before I really appreciate a good meal. It takes me to be thirsty before I appreciate a good glass of water. So is Jesus saying here that you'll never be thirsty again? If, if that's the case, and like, it's almost like a one-time filling, and then you never have to worry about it again because you're never going to be thirsty. So I don't think that's what he's applying. Do you? I think what he's saying is that when you do come to me hungry... And when you do come to me thirsty, you will never leave hungry and you will never leave me thirsty. I will fill you every time you come to me. I will fill you spiritually. I will fill your spiritual thirst. You will never be hungry when you leave. You will never be thirsty when you leave because I have everything to give you. But I do have to maintain a level of hunger in my heart. A level of thirst in my heart. See, I can spoil a great meal by eating junk food and spoiling my appetite. You know what I'm talking about? I can spoil. I can be so hungry, I've got to have that Snickers bar. So I eat that Snickers bar at 4.30, and I go home, and my wife has a great meal prepared, and I'm saying, I'm really not hungry. I had a Snickers bar. Not a good thing, by the way. Just eat like you were hungry. (laughs) My mom would always say, eat for the hunger that cometh. (laughs) Well, The fact is that the only time a good meal is really fulfilling is when I'm hungry. So I need to protect my appetite. I need to protect it. I I can't afford to put junk food in my life if I'm going to get a really good, solid meal. Because when when I spoil my appetite, it takes the specialness. It takes the real appreciation of the meal away because I'm really not hungry and I'm really not enjoying it. I'm really not appreciating it and I'm not really appreciating the person that made it because I've already filled my life with junk. I've already got that Snickers bar fat stuff rolling around my stomach and I'm not really that hungry for the good nutrition of the meal that was made for me. Not only does eating junk food spoil my appetite but it's also robbing my body of the nutrients that I need to get out of the good meal because those potato chips When I'm hungry, I can eat a bag of potato chips and they can fill me up. But I'm not getting much nutrition there. I'm getting a lot of cholesterol and a lot of grease and a lot of salt and a lot of stuff that's really not good for my body. But if I would just wait, put the bag of potato chips away and wait for the meal where I get the broccoli and the cauliflower and all those good vegetables. And if I eat that, then I'm putting that nourishment, those nutrients in my body that makes me healthy. Spiritually, the same analogy applies. God saying, I have a great meal prepared for you. But often we spoil it by allowing the distractions of this world give us, to give us a temporary fulfillment that truly the spiritual world can only fulfill. But I distract it. I fill it with the, with the fun things. I fill it with the distractions. I fill it with the sin. Now, this distraction can be sin, and it also can be good things. But whatever is distraction, in Hebrews chapter 12, talking about, I put off all the things that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there are things that hinder us that are not necessarily sinful, but they rob my appetite. Those hindrances may be good things, but they rob my appetite. They rob my appetite for relationships. So Lord, help us with that. Okay, so let me move on. Point two. So the second point is, give us this day, this bread, our daily bread. How, now, how often? Number the of question is, how often are we praying for the bread of heaven? We just spent a lot of time defining the bread of heaven as being so much more than just food. It is the bread of God. It is the very sustenance of God. It is the relationship with God. That's the bread. All right. Now, how many times? Um, Now, I use this passage, it'll be the third week in a row, but I'm going to use it again. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26, in the Living Bible Translation, it says, God's compassion, or his compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. each Afresh every day. My soul claims the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for Him, to those who seek for Him. It is good both to hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is a daily refreshing. The question is, how often do I need the bread? What's the the answer? It's not a trick question. Give us this what? Our daily bread. He didn't say give us our weekly bread. Give us our Sunday morning bread. He didn't say that. He says, give us our daily bread. This is the secret to a life fulfilled and a life that flows over so that we get so full of God, that we get so full of Jesus, that we get so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that overflows in us that we then can be a difference maker in the world because I have daily bread. I have daily sustenance. In Exodus, we see an example of this. Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for, what this, for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they, are, what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Okay, so now we're, we're seeing as the Israelites were being led out through the desert that God was providing through Moses manna. Daily bread, okay? That's what we're talking about here. But God gives very specific instructions on how they are to receive the bread. So let's read on. What are these instructions? Exodus 16, verses 13 through 16. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it is, or what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And then verse 19 says, Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. Okay. So God sends dew in the morning and it turns into a flaky substance that can be made into porridge or it can be made into a loaf of bread or something that they can eat it. But the important part of this instruction was that everyone was to go out and take enough for that day just your daily provision don't think you have to have it for tomorrow i will give you more tomorrow if you trust me but just take what you have today very simple instruction but you think they obeyed it exodus chapter 16 verse 20 continue on however some of them paid no attention to moses they kept part of it until morning but it was full of maggots and began to smell So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and then the sun grew hot. It melted away. On the sixth day, the sixth day is important because it's the day before the Sabbath, okay? That's why the sixth day. And the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning, on the sixth night. Okay, so they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. So eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be there will not be any. Nevertheless, <laughs> some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? What stupid people. But I can look in a mirror and say, what a stupid man. Because how often have I not kept God's obeyment, His commands, right? I got to wonder, it doesn't record this, but I got to wonder What happened to those people that didn't listen to God and didn't take a double portion on the sixth night thinking that I'm going to go out tomorrow and get food? There were a lot of hungry people in the camp because they didn't eat that day because they couldn't go to the guy that did it and say, hey, give me some of yours because he didn't have enough. He had only enough for his portion. So the people that disobeyed, the consequences were, well, guess what? No food for you, baby. You're hungry today. How many times have I given up spiritual blessings because I don't obey God? But yet I go to him and say, God, oh, give me anyways. And I'm sorry, guys. I gave you very specific instructions. You're not following the word of God. You're not following. I can't bless you. And you can't borrow it from somebody else because their blessing is for them. You cannot, I cannot share my blessing with you. It's a personal blessing. I can't be, my obedience is for Mike Way. Your obedience is for your name. As much as, I would like to, as much as they would have liked to have shared on the, second, on the seventh day, they couldn't because they didn't have enough. It wasn't in their ability to do so. It's not in my ability either to give you my blessing or for you to share your blessing with your spouse or whatever. You, it Guys, it's personal. You need to get your own devotion time. You need to get your own time with the Lord and the Lord and you need to find your own manna. And then you need to listen to the Lord and take enough for that day. Yeah, it's really good. We don't share physical stomachs. Imagine that. And we don't share spiritual souls either. Jesus, or Paul prayed for the Christians at the Colossian church in a way that shows the importance of a daily walk with the Lord. Because you know, guys, listen. Our walk is daily. I need spiritual food every day. You need spiritual food every day. Once a week isn't enough. It's not enough. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard about you and have not stopped praying for you, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God growing in the knowledge of God we are on a walk of growth and we grow by taking sustenance we take we grow by having good spiritual food being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience you get endurance when you have physical food you get endurance when you have spiritual food that comes through the source of the of the nutrition and then giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. What a great passage. I love that. That, that is my person. I pray that every day. That's what I pray. I pray every day that the Lord will continually fill me with the knowledge of his hill, will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I recite that. I pray that every morning. That's my prayer that the Lord will lead me and I will grow in knowledge and I will grow in relationship and I will grow spiritually with him. There is such a need for our daily bread, so much more than physical food. And it's my prayer this morning that we see this and that we allow the urgency of the matter to settle into our hearts to keep us hungry for him. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I am so thankful that you give us good wisdom, that you give us good knowledge, that you have shared your word with us. So thankful, Lord, that we can read it, we can understand it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us spiritual wisdom and understanding. As we pray that you will continually strengthen us and give us your will, that you will then give us a spiritual understanding and wisdom to learn how to apply this in our lives. How then can I take this and how can this give me nutrition for the day? I pray, Father, that you would do that to us today. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The more I seek you, the more I find you, the more. against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. Father, we just thank you now for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you mean to us. Thank you, Lord, for your sustenance. Thank you, Lord, for the bread of heaven. Thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you gave us your only son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself for us. Feed us today. Nourish us throughout the week. Bring us back again on Wednesday to our Bible study, to our prayer time, and to our personal devotions. Help us not to wait a week. Help us to dig in right away on a daily basis for that daily food. Give us this day our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.